listen. Friendship. Entertainment. Six of Get Super with me, Mario. And today's episode, I'm going to be talking about some things I watched on Max. I'm going to be talking about some of the stuff going on on Netflix, future ideas and plans for upcoming episodes, uh, things I watched on Hulu, uh, a movie I went to go see. I'm going to talk about The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. I went to go see it with my friend Steven, and I'm going to talk about it. And this week to end the podcast, I'm going to be talking about ways I need to improve on growth. I didn't write a lot down this episode, so there's going to be a lot when I talk about the series and things I've been watching uh, of me going off the cuff. So I apologize if my mind or brain is everywhere, or if I can't find the right words to describe what I'm talking about uh, or anything along those lines. I hope you stick with me. And uh, before I get into that, I just wanted to mention uh, the end of last episode might have been hard to follow, and, and I completely understand. I was all over the place and or back and forth at times. I hope that me opening up didn't fall short of the message. Uh, I, I don't want pity. I don't want anyone to feel bad for me. I know a lot of it was depressing, but it's about... Uh, being vulnerable and holding myself accountable for my toxic traits. Uh, it's about me expressing what I know I need to be better at, like I'm going to do this episode. Uh, self-awareness is hard. But, you know, the last two years, I've it, it has been tough as I become more self-aware, and it's helping me take more accountability for my own toxicity and trying to improve so, you know, these things don't hold me back. And if you've listened to the whole episode or the end of the podcast, uh, I appreciate it greatly. And there's more where that comes from at the end of this episode. If you hear any uh, weird music in the background or lo-fi, I am playing lo-fi in the background to help relax me as I record. So I apologize if it's annoying, but I figured I'd try something different. Maybe it would help be relaxing if you can hear it in the background of the podcast or hear, hear it in the background of me talking. It's an experiment. We'll see how it goes. Huh. Uh, you know, th- there is a little bit of something I want to get off my chest and, and something I've has been on my mind lately. And I, I just want to say, because um, I've been thinking about it a lot lately, and, and I hate to be political. And to me, it's not political. It's about humility. It's, it's about the life of others that shouldn't be made political, first off. Uh, one, if you're transphobic, you're not welcome in my circle. Two, if you support genocide or sending a country a large amount of money and basically funding genocide or the propaganda behind it, you're not a friend of mine. Uh, That money could be used uh, to be helping homeless or giving everyone free health care, better helping the elderly, making schools a better place and a safer place for kids. You know, I've said this before. I support people and honestly, to be frank to bomb a group of people and take away their homes, separate families, and then make yourself out to be the victim, fuck you. And and I'm just tired of transphobia. Let people be who they are. Worry about you. And I have a platform, and I want to use it, so I just wanted to state that. There's also a lot of stuff going on in the Congo and Africa, and you can uh, Google that and research that, that uh, needs more awareness, I believe. Uh, I won't get into a lot of it, but it's along the same lines as what's going on with Palestine. And um, it's, it's sad. But if you have a platform, you are a influencer or you have a podcast or anything, and you're not using your platform to bring awareness to these things or, or help 
draw attention to what needs to be done that's better. Uh, also, fuck you. Now, uh, I may have lost some listeners if I had any at all, but uh, now I'm going to get to the entertainment. Edgar Wright was on uh, David Harwood's podcast, and uh, David Harwood usually gets a lot of the juicy details from the people he talks to in the world of Hollywood that he has on his podcast. And uh, this clip that I'm going to play is what Edgar Wright said about companies having uh, IPs and franchises and building a large movie and TV series catalog or slate for the next couple of months and years. Uh, basically building anticipation and what he says, I, I really couldn't agree with him more because uh, I've had the same opinion with what happened with the sequel trilogy. So uh, uh, this is what he said. I think one of the problems with current franchises is um, sometimes when they announce, not mentioning any names of anything, but when they announce like massive slates of yep. like films and TV shows, and this is not like I'm not, <laughs> I am being pointed, I guess. But I always think it's that thing is it's kind of like it's, 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 there's a danger of killing the golden goose. And like, I always have this thing when sometimes people announce, like, you know, this, this is not, this is all studios with all no, what you're, what you're saying, to be fair, is with respect to every IP out there. The, the, yes. the broccolis are the exception. Absolutely. You're right. They are the exception to this smart enough to kind of put the brakes on and build anticipation. So yep. you'll be excited about the next one. I think one of the problems now is that I wish with some like films and series that people would understand that like, it's okay to take a break and build anticipation. Um, and I think the thing is, was that, you know, so because it is that thing. And maybe, listen, I, I, I would never want to besmirch any like franchises because, you know, like I'm 49 now and it's a different thing if like, you know, like maybe you have kids and it's about introducing your kids to the franchise and stuff. But it is that weird thing. If I could go back to when I was a young film fan and I've just enjoyed a movie and people saying, and guess what? There'll be one every three years for the rest of your life. I was like, really? Like, I mean, that, that's the thing that is, is sad to me is like, there's just, it just, the lack of investment in new movies. And I know that might sound like um, hypocrisy if I'm talking about various remakes and stuff. But and again, it's like finding like a different angle on something. And maybe those things haven't been, you know, kind of done for 40 years or more, you know. But I think that's the thing is I wish some franchises would just kind of have the sense to just take a breather yeah. and let people get excited about it again. And because I feel like I, like there's certain things that I loved that I don't want to see them again, or I don't want to see them again for a long time. And again, I'm not going to like badmouth anything because it always gets interpreted. As no, I well, But it we, is yeah. something just like, or, or like just, you know, we we desperately need more new movies and even if it's the thing i know ip is the dreaded word but it's even like finding new things that could be a series right it's not have to just be the same things again and again there is like sort of so i'm not saying that like you know uh, i'm not so naive to say that everything has to be like original going forward obviously that would be great and there is you know, a lot of great indies and in international cinema, it isn't, we, they don't have the same problem. Like international cinema is flourishing. I just think that you would hope that the studios would put as much investment into original films as they do into the ongoing IP, but also it's like, it's okay to take a break and let something be missed. So yeah. that kind of then you can have a big return, you know, or, or, or just think about things that could be franchise starters. And that's, that's the thing that baffles me is with, I think it's with studios, whenever somebody comes into a studio and they take over, it is that thing, you become the janitor for all the IP. So if somebody takes over Warner Brothers, somebody will ask a question, what are we doing with Scooby-Doo? Right. So it's not like something, it's, it's, it's like they're thinking about, these are the assets we have, what are we doing with them? What are we doing with Scooby-Doo right now? You know, that, that's basically what happens. And the, well, it's the quickest you know, path to a buck for them. Like, it's like, that, you know, developing new material takes time and Scooby-Doo's right there. Let's just do Scooby-Doo. Yeah, so I mean that's just one example, but it, it it is something where I just I just feel like um you know, people forget that Alien was an original screenplay back in nineteen seventy nine, or that Terminator was an original screenplay right. back in nineteen eighty four, that Star Wars was an original screenplay in nineteen seventy seven. So the fact that like the studios like 
don't want to take those gambles. Like, would anybody make the Matrix now? Like, at the budget it was in 1999? It seems unlikely, which is sad, you know? That's my rant over. The interview was actually conducted by Josh Harwitz, not David. I don't know where I got David from. Is there a guy named David Harwitz? I, I, I don't even know, honestly. Uh, but it's Josh Harwitz. Josh Harwitz's podcast. I was wrong. So I apologize that I said David. I saw that was originally posted by uh, Alex Pop Culture Brain on TikTok. Check out his stuff on TikTok if you love entertainment and entertainment news or people giving reviews and, and different takes on movies. And like I said before, check out Little Katie TV on TikTok and Instagram. I've been following her and I really like her quick reviews and, and the way she delivers uh, her news and information and stuff. It, it's really uh, charming and, and uh, cute, I guess. I, I just find it very good. Uh, there's a uh, rumor that Killian Murphy is in talks to be Dr. Doom. The, uh, the guy's a great actor, don't get me wrong. I just would have preferred Mads Mikkelsen as Dr. Doom, but I still think this could be good as well. It seems like this Fantastic Four casting rumor is all over the place, and it's uh, best probably just to sit and wait for the trailer or any confirmation before we get like super hype about who's in it. Did I mention I agreed with Edgar Wright? I think I did beforehand, but I, I wanted to add uh, that what from what he said, you know, a lot of the franchises that they're trying to recreate and add movies to were original screenplays, so especially the whole, like, would you make Matrix with that budget now? Like, sometimes you have to dial back the money and figure out how to make a movie like The Matrix now with that budget, I guess, and and would you create something more original like that to create a franchise off of? And and I agree with him. Anyway, so I was on Max, uh, moving over to DC Talk, I watched the animated movie DC War World. Now, I grew up with all the DC animated stuff. You know, I grew up with the Marvel animated shows in the early 90s, throughout the 90s. I grew up with Justice League, uh, Batman animated series, Superman animated series. I grew up with all these superhero cartoons and animated movies. And uh, my dad even loves, at his age, the DC uh, animated movies. He watches them all. So I try to watch them anytime one comes out because they used to be really, really good and well done. Uh, and they usually base them off of comic books. Uh, DC War World, I think, is more original, but it is based off of the uh, planet War World within the DC universe. And uh, most familiar was an episode of Justice League when they capture... Superman, I believe, or, or Green Lantern, maybe. Oh, man, I don't remember. I remember the episode. I don't remember who was there because there was a guy. I, I want to say Superman because the one guy basically put the S on his chest that helped break free. He was like the Spartacus character of the episode. But anyway, I, I watched this and uh, th- they did do a comic series uh, that Marvel kind of ripped off of where they changed the world it was like battle world i think was what marvel called it and dc did something similar where they they reinvented everything um completely you know they changed the the landscape and and it seemed like from 2010 or maybe it was when marvel now came out and after the uh green lantern the the lantern cord stuff in dc is when they both started to just go a few years or maybe a year or two and then uh, reboot everything. Anyway, DC War World, which apparently is going to lead into Crisis on Infinite Earths, that's going to be like a three-parter or something, is what I read. But this wasn't bad. So it starts off with uh, Wonder Woman in the Wild West with Jonah Hex. If you're not familiar with Jonah Hex, there was a movie put out called Jonah Hex with Megan Fox and uh, Josh Brolin, and uh, that is a DC IP, or a DC 
character, Jonah Hex. Um, Jonah Hex is the villain in this first part. Uh, I won't give too much away, but it uh, it seems like she can't remember. Diana can't remember how she got here or who she is. So it kind of plays as if it's a different take on Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman in the Wild West, right? It's something different. Then it shifts to Batman in this uh, fantasy world, right? Where uh, he teams up with Warlord. And if you don't know who Warlord is, that's another 70s, 80s uh, DC hero character from the comic books. It was actually so obscure and uh, there was no Warlord stuff for a while that I started collecting it just because. Uh, very hipster-like, I guess. Uh, very hipster of me. So then it shifts to Superman, Clark Kent. And he's in the uh, 50s. I want to say the 50s. And he's like a detective, which is kind of neat. Or he's pre... I, I want to say he's a detective. So then they have another detective meet up with him, which is Bruce Wayne. And kind of them seeing each other makes them uh, start to question the reality of what's going on here. So it looks like it's going to play out, if you're not familiar with the story, it looks like what, what's happening is it's playing out alternative realities or alternate timelines of these superheroes and different versions of themselves. But what's actually happening is the the this alien race which it, war world mongol captured martian manhunter and is using his powers to create an illusion for these heroes to keep them captured on war world so that they can do other things or or try to control them uh it is it's not bad it's it's pretty good the animation is a little too uh, smooth for me like there's not a lot of detail within the animation uh, you can tell it, it was done on a computer I guess it's uh, the animation threw me off a little bit I will say that the animation threw me off a little bit uh, the stuff in the beginning was okay but once you get to what's really going on it, it gets a little more interesting and for a DC animated movie it was pretty good in my opinion and if you like the uh, DC animated movies, I think you're really going to like this one. I think this is one of the better ones um, because of the originality to what's happening and what it's going to be leading into. And like I said, as a person who grew up with the animated cartoons and, and all that, it is cool to see a, like if you watch the Justice League episode with Warworld and Mongol, uh, it is cool to kind of see Mongol again and see all this. If you're familiar with that sort of thing, obviously he's from the comics. So if you, you read, if you're big into the DC comics, you will uh, also be familiar and, and see these type of characters. Lobo's in it. If you like Lobo, uh, that's pretty sweet. Lobo is, I won't say he's, he's Deadpool like because he doesn't break the fourth wall, but he is similar to Deadpool in the way he makes jokes and, Things like that. He's a mercenary character. He's kind of an anti-hero. But I enjoyed it. I liked it. I also saw a TikTok person represent... or I also saw someone on TikTok uh, recommend this. It's a docuseries called Love Has Won the Cult of Mother God. It's about this woman who thinks she's God. And she creates this cult. Uh, like all cults, they seem very positive and and... Uh, they seem to be very helpful, but fucking crazy, <laughs> right? Uh, I was a little bored by this docuseries. I only started the first episode. I couldn't get all the way through it. Uh, so, I mean, if you're into docuseries and, and things about cults and uh, people doing weird shit, uh, definitely check this out, especially people who think they're God. But, uh, yeah, I, I uh, couldn't get behind it. And, uh, yeah, so I, I didn't watch it. All of it. I'm usually into, uh, the crime docuseries and, and untold mysteries and things like that, but this just couldn't keep my attention. So I recommended Bodies a few episodes ago. I'm finally catching up on Bodies, but 
I'm going to have my friend Steven as a guest on the podcast soon, and I'm going to try to finish it. I hope he tries to finish it soon. I think that is one of the things that I believe we will talk about, or should talk about, I guess is how I should say it. So Steven, if you're listening, let's finish Bodies and let's talk about it. I also said to Steven, I said, we should call that episode The Bear and the Otter, but he said, to be an otter, you got to be gay. And uh, I'm a little salty because otters are cool and I want to be an otter. So that's, that's lame. But I digress. Look, otters are cute. I want to be cute. I, I just want people to think I'm cute. Somebody, please think I'm cute. Steven does have a good point, though. Speaking of animated movies, there is a computer animated movie on Netflix called Leo. Uh, stars Adam Sandler and Bill Burr as voices of a turtle and an iguana. Uh, Chris Hawk represented this. Uh, represented Chris Hawk recommended this to me. Uh, he watched it and he said he liked it. Chris Hawk has two kids, so I can see why he watched this. He watched this to watch it with his children. Uh, the whole family. We went over. First of all, we went over to Chris Hawk's house for his birthday. Uh, they were throwing a birthday party. It was him. And his sister-in-law combined their birthdays to one birthday party. It was Dolly Parton themed. Uh, Chris Hawk dressed up as Playboy Dolly Parton. He even bought fake boobs for the whole thing. It's uh, pretty wild. I got a picture. Maybe I'll make it the uh, episode picture. How about that? He probably wouldn't like that. Uh, But anyway, I tried to watch it. And I apologize, Chris Hawk. I could not get through it. It It is very kiddish for me. I was not a fan of the animation. I'm not saying it's not good. It just wasn't for me. Maybe it's for other people, though. So check it out if you like animated movies. Uh, If you have Netflix, it's on there. If you like Bill Burr and Adam Sandler, it could be fun for you and the family to watch. I got held up on my words a lot there. Uh, Moving over to Hulu, I started season two of Shorzy. If you don't know what that is, it's uh, a character from Letterkenny. If you like Letterkenny, Letterkenny is pretty fun. You just have to, I think, kind of get yourself going into the first season because usually people can't get into it within the first few episodes. But once you get to the middle of the first season, I think you start kicking into the comedy and getting used to it and starting to understand it more. I like Letterkenny. I like the first season of Shorzy. Shorzy, uh, but I like the first season, okay, is what I'm trying to say. The second season, uh, so far isn't bad. There's a lot of dude humor in it, a lot of, uh, kind of frat guy type of humor or making fun of that, I guess, in a way, while also having it at the same time. I don't know. It's, I'm a little mixed on it because I kind of like the storytelling, but and I, I like the characters, but I don't really like the frat boy humor. But if you haven't started it yet, and you like Letterkenny, I definitely suggest watching Shorzy. The other show I watch is called Obituary. It's a Irish television show. You can watch it on Hulu. It's about a girl who works as a uh, obituary writer she writes the obituaries for people that have passed i guess what information families give her uh that's their job and i guess they're not getting a lot of jobs or something they're not getting a lot of things coming in or revenue so just like it in a way it's a lot like dexter i think uh, it might be a little bit better than, well, Dexter was pretty good, but so far I enjoy it. I, I got to episode two. I'm going to have to catch up with the rest and finish season one. But if you like Dexter, I think you'll like this show because she basically kills people in the town to uh, continue writing the obituaries, but it also talks about her... uh growth and things like that and she actually becomes very infatuated with her best friend's boyfriend who I think is a journalist or a detective I I don't remember I fell asleep during the middle part of episode two so that's why I gotta catch up and rewatch it but 
the first episode I really enjoyed. Um, like I said, shows like Dexter. Um, I'm trying to think of other shows like Dexter. I know there's a few, but if you're a fan of that type of genre or, the, or those type of shows, I think you'll really like Obituary. It's on Hulu, like I said. And now it brings me to the movie I saw in theaters. The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. I, I saw the first Hunger Games and I saw the second Hunger Games. I don't believe I've watched the third Hunger Games, part one and two. I'm familiar, I think, with what happens a little bit in part one and two of, of the third uh, movie. For Hunger Games, uh, I think Catching Fire was really good. Catching Fire, I thought, was better than the first Hunger Games. It was really enjoyable. Um, it was on my top ten that year, I believe. It was Chris Hawk's number one movie that year, and it beat out Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and we will always rag on him about that for the uh, rest of his life. Nah, but for real, Chris Hawk really liked that movie, and uh, you know that was that was his movie that year. Uh, I really enjoyed. The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, I thought it was pretty good. The only parts that threw me off, I didn't know there was going to be singing in this movie, so a lot of the parts where she's singing, I, I thought was pretty hilarious. <laughs> I wanted to laugh. Uh, I guess that's just my sense of humor. I couldn't take it serious at first, until later, um, after the Hunger Games ended. So this, I believe, is the 10th Hunger Games, and it follows the character who eventually becomes President Snow in the other Hunger Games movies. So this is basically a prequel. And it shows you the character who created the Hunger Games, which is Peter Dinklage. And my friend Steven sent me a, a perfect meme about how we got to stop Peter Dinklage from starting these things. He created the Sentinels, and now he's uh, created the Hunger Games. This man is crazy. He's all over the place. You know, it really shows a character who grew up really with nothing in a world where a lot of people are fighting to stay alive. And instead of humbling him, he takes the opportunities that he does and goes down the evil path. In a lot of ways, I related this movie to Star Wars. And I saw some people online also relate this to Star Wars. Viola Davis is fantastic in anything she does, but she is beyond phenomenal in this movie the songs even though they threw me off and i thought they were funny because she would sing at the most awkward times were pretty good their tragic love story i guess in a way these two characters who kind of come together well you know i i don't know if if she actually loves snow maybe she kind of falls for him a little bit but she kind of picks up on his uh, descend to uh, evil, okay? And there's a really good scene where he picks up this gun, and he's looking at it, and you can just tell what he's thinking. And it was like the perfect, like, telling a story on your face of becoming this psychopath. Uh, it, was, it was pretty phenomenal, that scene. It was a fun movie to go see in the theaters, especially with friends. I had a good theater experience. Uh, there was a lot of things I related it to. Uh, I, I don't know what else to talk about because I don't want to give it away. I think you should go see it, especially if you like Hunger Games. My my aunt went to go see it and she texted me and she said she really liked it. Um, I'm not too familiar on a lot of the Hunger Games stuff, so there was a lot that I forgot because it didn't really stay with me from the first two but there is things that uh you know little easter eggs to the first movie and and everything that's that happens and, and where how we get there uh my friend steven said there's a rumor that the next movie might be the 11th hunger games uh where there was a there's an older lady character in one of the districts that uh won hunger games and they might show how she won hunger games which would be pretty cool. Maybe the next Hunger Games thing they could do is the Woody Harrelson's character. The, I think he was in the 50th Hunger Games is what I was told. They could show his, like him winning Hunger Games. I think that's why he was a mentor is because he won, he was a previous winner of Hunger Games. 
you know, I didn't really care for the first Hunger Games. The second one, like I said, I really enjoyed. This one I thought was pretty fun. Uh, it was it was pretty good. Like I said, to see it in theaters. Um, I I don't know how it's going to be at home. Uh, it, to me, there's always different viewing experiences, right? There's theater experiences, and then there's movies you can watch at home. And I, I kind of talked a little about this, or a little bit about this on Cinema Seven, and I talked about this here and there. Sometimes I'll mention like maybe just wait for it, etc. You know, you you don't you can just wait for this to come out in Disney Plus or Paramount or wherever, um, or you can rent it at home if you really need to see it. But I think some movies are really good in theaters. I don't know how well this would keep my attention at, at home, watching it on my TV, but it definitely was uh, pretty fun to go see in the theaters. I honestly haven't thought about a grade for this movie yet. Uh, I still was a little conflicted about where to place it, how how good it actually was. Uh, but I, I think the more I talk about it, there's a lot of things I did enjoy. And for a movie that's a prequel that set sets up uh, the first Hunger Games and, and the first series, I think. Now, is this based off a book? I'm going to have to look this up real quick. Okay, so this is a book. This is based off a, a novel, a prequel novel. I did not know that. I thought it was just made to counter the... Uh, success of the uh, other Hunger Game movies, but I think that's pretty neat. If you're a big Hunger Games person, definitely go see this in theaters. Like if you really like the the other the books and things like that, you might have already seen it if you're really big in the Hunger Games. I'd probably give this movie a seven somewhere in between a seven and a seven point five out of ten. Still very positive. Uh probably won't be in my top ten. Uh but that scene with the gun I, so when I'm going to do in my top 10 this year is I'm going to mention some of my favorite scenes out of the year. And I think this is going to go in one of my favorite scenes because it was wild to see this guy act this out, like pick up this gun and just, you could see his mind twisting and, and him just turning evil. I mean, the whole movie is kind of his descent into that. Uh, so it did uh, do it pretty well. There was some parts where I thought it it tried to do it too fast, maybe because it forgot to keep that descent going, uh, or you know, it just it just wanted to get there quickly. Uh, I don't know how that makes. I'm trying to make sense of it because it, it the whole movie does build on that demise of this character, or not the demise, but his his uh, mental. Uh, twist to this psychotic uh venture that the character goes through and the uh but there are parts where it just seems like it 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 kind of jumps there quickly uh but that scene was just so like i, I sat there and i looked at my friend steve and i was like oh my god he's this is crazy he's psychotic i love it i might not make sense to a lot of people but I, I I hope to the ones that get it, they understand. I feel like there's a lot that I wanted to bring up this episode that I'm forgetting. Uh, so I apologize if this doesn't seem like there's a lot to this episode. If there if there there's not a lot of content going on, I, I there's some I'm forgetting. I swear, or there's stuff I wanted to talk about and mention, and I just for the life of me I can't remember. So I apologize. But earlier in the episode. You know, I mentioned what I talked about at the end of last episode, how it might be hard to follow or it might be too depressing. And I, and I completely get that. And you guys have been on this journey with me since I started doing Get Super. And uh, I, I saw this post the other day and, and I saved it to help remind me because I forget very easy, as you can tell. Uh, but what the post basically said was understanding how to heal sometimes isn't how you heal. And that made me think about all the, the well, first of all, that it, that's kind of powerful if you uh, really look into that, right? But it, it made me think about all the mental health things I've been talking about uh, lately and, and how I've been really s- 
opening up and being vulnerable. And I really started to f- reflect on how I have been healing and what I've done to heal. And uh, I, have, I have acknowledged a lot of things in the past or things that has happened in the past. You know, I started to take accountability. There's a whole episode where I did. Uh, I've reflected a lot on my own toxicity, as I talked about earlier. And uh, I also have learned about a lot of things in the last four years about myself that I probably wouldn't have acknowledged five years ago or more than that. Um, And there has been a lot of help along the way from a lot of people. So I can't take full credit for the things I've learned and, and all that or getting myself there to learn it. But as I was thinking, you know, I may have been overanalyzing a lot of this instead of actually working through the stuff I need to work through. You know, there is trauma. You know, I don't regulate emotion. I don't regulate emotions well. Uh, you know, I don't process things fully in the moments when I need to. I get defensive. You know, I, I, I process how I can do more sometimes. And, and I have ADHD. You know, I possibly have Seaglothma uh, disorder, you know, which is like, like bipolar, but more emotional, like with depression and things like that. You know, I suffer from depression. I get bad anxiety, you know, things I've all talked about before, things I've learned and had a acknowledgement of. And, you know, I already known my attachment issues and I have journeyed through all my negative feelings, and and those steps are a part of the healing process. But I think I haven't really been working on them like I need to. Uh, The work comes in ways when I'm uncovering more of my core wounds. Uh, You have to really look deep to find some of those. The work comes when I'm starting to really rewire my thinking patterns and and change the behavior that you know hasn't suited me or done me any good over the years. Uh, you know we can't go back and change the past, but uh, we can start changing here and now. You know, I like I said, I've been acknowledging a lot of things and pushing myself to be better, and saying them out loud has helped in in being open with all of you. But I haven't been trying hard enough to with the work of it all, and uh, this reflection. On this post that I saw, like this thing that's made me really uh, put a lot of it into perspective or, you know, uh, uh, put in a thought, uh, has helped me take more accountability upon myself to get more done in the healing process, especially with, you know, my breakup. And um, I I saw a thing earlier that said uh, a breakup, uh, three things really happen went with a breakup and it's identity identity crisis uh you question your own identity and you become uh emotionally dependent on this person so when you lose that dependency it's hard to um regain that or you go through a process of hardship and uh you know, success comes with a lot of hardship and, and everyone has different problems. Everyone has different journeys. And uh, I think there's really no time in our healing process to compare ourselves to others. So, you know, you don't want to waste it on what you see with others. Everyone's on their own path. And, and you know, remember, most things in life are temporary and most of it isn't for you. Uh, you got to stay strong as best as you can and, and focus on your goals and, and being a better you for yourself. And that takes a lot of reflection. That t- that's a lot of hard work sometimes. And, and a lot of us don't really want to take the time to reflect on the negatives and, and the negative thoughts. And, and usually we just keep going and going and going as best as we can. And instead of taking that time to, to grow and heal and I completely understand because I did it for so long. You know, I was in survival mode where I just, you know, and my survival mode may look different to other people's survival mode. And I didn't acknowledge a lot. I didn't 
seek a lot. You know, I also didn't have, uh, not to come up with excuses, but I, I didn't have a support system that was like, hey, you should really go to therapy because I didn't have family members, I think, that really believed in therapy or knew what it was or took it serious, maybe because it cost too much money. Uh, not until I had a significant other that really said, you should do this. You know, they really cared about me and took the time to say, you know, also to protect themselves, you know, you should take care of this and go to therapy and we're not going to continue our relationship until you do so. And because I really uh, grew attached to this person, I really loved them and I cared about them and I could see a future with them. I did that for, you know, not just me, but for our relationship. I don't want to harp too much on, on me uh, or too, I don't want to harp too much on the details, I guess. I, I just wanted to call myself out again, you know, in this episode and, and really say out loud that I need to work on these processes more and heal and grow better. Not saying there's a better way to do it because your way is the best way for you, but I need to put in the work more to actually uh, get better at the things I need to work on. Obviously, form your own opinions. As, as I said last episode, this is a safe space to agree or disagree with me. So you don't always have to share the same opinion as me. You don't have to agree with me. Uh, you could listen and disagree. Uh, CM Punk back is in WWE. I think that's going to be the best option for him to kind of quickly talk about wrestling. Uh, I, I never got to talk about the AEW pay-per-view full gear. I think AEW really knocks it out of the park with their pay-per-views. Uh, some There are obviously some things that didn't make sense, right? The MGF, MJF doing the whole uh, Sting Rick Rude thing where he hurt his leg and he came back. Obviously, he pulled. they pulled a WWE where he drove the ambulance back. Very overdramatic. I think people want AEW to be a little more serious, so I didn't think that came off as well as it did. Uh, it seemed like the crowd was very into the match, especially the ending. Uh, Jay White deserves all the props in the world for the way he carried the storyline and everything he's done in that match to a sell and, and put over MJF. Um, the whole pay-per-view though, it, it, like I said, it, it's different watching AEW. Sometimes watching WWE weekly is boring. There's too much colors, too much light. The camera angles get very annoying. Um, AEW just puts on matches and sometimes that's what's best. And their presentation is more for the adult and is more for people who grew up with that the attitude era or people who grew up in the monday night wars and their pay-per-views just hit different you know where wwe seems so overly organized and micromanaged sometimes it, it you know there's too many commercials there's too many uh advertising going on during a pay-per-view like do that during the week have the pay-per-view, a premium live event, whatever you want to call it, be about the feuds and the storylines, not about what the advertisers want on the show or all these commercials. Because when I went to go see Raw, and I think I talked about this before, between matches and things, there were so many commercial breaks and, and there was guys in the ring not doing anything, just standing around. And I thought that was so dull and, and lifeless, it felt, for a show. Um, especially when guys are in the ring and you come back from commercial break and you're in, uh, you have a promo, like there's guys in the ring. I want to see the wrestling. I don't want to see a promo while there's four dudes standing around, you know what I mean? Not doing anything. So AEW, I think always has a better approach during the commercial breaks when I see them live. Um, I don't know. I, I like watching AEW better, but I can see the pros and cons of each company, right? Survivor Series was a decent pay-per-view, in my opinion. It wasn't, like, spectacular or great. Um, if you think it was great, it's probably because of the ending, right? The ending was cool. Seeing CM Punk come out, it, the roof blew off the place. The people went freaking ballistic, right? Uh, to have that power among people is pretty neat. And I, I said this to my friends. It's cool that, 
Like when you watch a football game, like you have a home team, right? You have a team that you root for wherever, if you're from somewhere, you know, like where I'm from, the two teams are that people like because, uh, we're close to Philly. Uh, and when I lived in New Jersey too, they're close to Philly, you know, it's South Jersey. Uh, it's Philadelphia or because we're only an hour and some away from New York, it's the Giants. And some people like the Jets too. You know, my grandfather, he's from Jersey, so he likes the Jets. But when you go to a home game or you see uh, on TV, you know, usually, you know, people talk about home field advantage. Uh, everyone's there rooting for the, the team, the home team, you know, and CM Punk kind of has that. Like if you, if you take that from football, hockey, basketball, and then to wrestling, it never really mattered. Maybe here and there, right? It, it, people get excited when they're in their hometown. Uh, but if they're a heel, if they're a real good heel character and people or people don't really care about you, people from your own hometown won't cheer for you. You know, it's psychology. It's how you, uh, present yourself or present that, that character or product. Even though you're from that hometown, you could still be unliked, but CM Punk has home field advantage in Chicago. He is, uh, you know, it's like going to see the home team there and i think that's a pretty cool aspect for wrestling i'm excited to see what he does in wwe i think it'll be better for him i think it'd be more organized more uh under control and and more of him doing what's familiar you know and i think him in aw i i really liked his matches in aw and it's a shame that he won't stay there because i feel like in aw there's more creativity so uh, I am saddened that he won't be in AEW anymore. I, and I hope more people, I just hope AEW gets better because I want to see it get better. And I'm not going to sit here and hate on it or hate on something. You know, obviously, I think they know where they have to improve. And if they're not listening to people, then that's on them. Right. And there are certain people in that company who helped start the company who and and are not helping the company grow. And I don't think they see like see that because they're, they they see it more as we gave an opportunity for independent wrestlers and fans to have an alternative, which yes is great, and I am very appreciative of that. And I think you have to support competition, and you can't support monopoly. I've talked about it before, but I think that you really have to grow your business, and you're not trying to grow your business, and you're losing a lot of the core type of people that watch your show by not, you know, by staying stale or, or dull or especially the young bucks, you know, inserting themselves because they want to match on pay-per-view into a feud that should have had a pay-per-view match. You know, they took that spot from the other people and it's a shame. Anyway, that's, that's the episode. Uh, I don't want to get too uh, big on wrestling because everyone has their opinions. Uh, but those were mine. Um, I just want to thank all of you for being on this journey with me as you listen uh, with, with Get Super and my new uh, exploration on entertainment, you know, the wonders of our imagination, you know, the growth, growing, and how life connects us and how we just get super. And I hope everyone has a great rest of your day or week. Stay super, everyone, and I love you.
remember Marvin Gaye used to sing to me. He had me feeling like black was the thing to be. And suddenly the ghetto didn't seem so tough. And though we had it rough, we always had enough. Off the buff about my curfew and broke the rules. Run with the local crew and had a smoke or two. I realized mama really paid the price. She nearly gave her life to raise me right. struggling in fantasy this year guys i really need to work on my fantasy team i'm six and six i don't know what to do my fantasy team sucks <laughs>